A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, I'm Victoria Meyer, host of The Chemical Show. This week, I am speaking with Brian Fielkow, who is the CEO of Houston-based Jetco Delivery and also EVP of Montreal-based GTI Group. Brian's got 25 plus years of leadership experience, leading, growing, and transforming multi-million dollar organizations organically and via mergers and acquisitions. With Jetco and GTI, he's leading a company whose operations include intermodal, flatbed and heavy haul van and freight brokerage services. So we're going to be talking a little bit about logistics and supply chain and what's going on and factoring into that today. So Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Victoria. I appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. Like, delighted to have you here. So tell us a little bit about Jetco and GTI. Well, let me start with Jetco Delivery. Jetco was started in 1976 by a gentleman named Morris Madden with a couple trucks, and he grew the company. I had the fortune of acquiring Jetco from him in 2006. And I'm also proud to say Morse is still part of our team this many years later. Wow, that's impressive. That's great. Yeah, I mean, continuity. So we've grown the company. Um, as you said, we've got terminals in Dallas, Freeport, Texas, and our main terminals in Houston. And uh, intermodal flatbed, as you said, heavy haul, freight brokerage. Then in 2019, we joined the GTI group based in Montreal. GTI has trucking operations in, in and around Montreal and um, Toronto. Our partner company in Toronto is called Precision Specialized. And then we have freight brokerage operations throughout North America. So it's really become, it's been fun to take this company, I guess my clock starts in 2006 and see what we were and kind of now the company that we've become, especially combined with GTI. So it's been a thrill to be part of the evolution, watch the company grow and along the way, take some very, very good people with us and watch them develop and grow. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, in fact, it's, it's interesting because freight and logistics in many ways is such an old fashioned industry, but to see, but critical, right? So that being able to evolve and grow and create value in that space is really important. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways the industry still is set in its, way, its ways. And as you said, old school, those days are dying, though. I mean, so many trucking and logistics companies, I like to consider ourselves among that group, have made the investments in technology, in fleet and safety, most importantly in people. And I've always taken the philosophy of strong on the inside, unbeatable on the outside. So in my years at Jetco, I've always focused on internal strength, right? Mostly you know, the, the right people and culture, the right equipment, the right systems and, and technology. And that creates an offering that the clients keep coming back for. Got it. That makes sense. And I'm going to loop back to that because I think that will come into, you know, maybe just talking about competitive advantage, but let's jump first maybe into just 
the world of logistics and supply chain, right? So in particular, since the start of the pandemic, logistics and supply chain disruptions have had a huge impact on the chemical industry and frankly, all industries, right? So we've seen this globally, we're seeing this domestically, lots of stories and reality of ports tied up at car at terminals and you know, cargo's tied up in port, not being able to get the product move when you need to, pricing going up significantly, reliability decreasing, lead times increasing. Why? Let's, you know, can you break it down for us in terms of other than just the sheer aspect of COVID causing some, let's just say, port disruptions, what else is going on that's causing this disruptive time right now in logistics? I think it's, as you said, COVID triggered something that was already there and in process, which is the supply chain rebalancing itself, new opportunities, new shipping opportunities, onshoring, nearshoring, all these things sort of as they come into play will continue to alter the supply chain. But in my world, which is trucking and freight brokerage, it's all about the professional truck driver. And if anybody's ever thought there's no driver shortage, let's have that conversation now. The average age of a professional driver in the U.S. has been growing steadily. It's in, I think the average age right now is around 55 or 56. Not a good sign. It means that we're not attracting people into the industry fast enough. And now that we're in an economy where, where demand is, is very, very high and driver supply is very constrained, that's what's creating a lot of the disruption that people are seeing. And, and you mentioned prices going up. Well, that's a big deal because we've got a pair of drivers and we're in a competitive market. I think for too long, truck drivers have been underpaid, grossly underpaid. When you consider the amount of work they do, the st how strenuous and taxing the work is, I mean, driving through congestion, through traffic, doing it every day safely, I think drivers have been way underpaid. And if the market right now is correcting itself, in a way that creates um, better pay. Ultimately, you know, maybe that will create a little complaining, oh, the, my freight's costing more. But long-term, we, as a supply chain industry, have an interest in having our trucks seated. And you can only do that by attracting people to the industry. So what's going on right now, the correction that's going on right now is, I think, necessary. Interesting. But how much of it, I mean, I, so, you know, I'm hearing numbers and that the cost of freight has, in some cases, quadrupled. And that may be more ocean freight met rather than domestic freight. And, and I think to a certain extent, it maybe it is the domestic freight. How much of that's actually going to the driver? Is this just a case of supply demand? Where's the money going? Well, from a trucking standpoint, I can tell you our rates haven't quadrupled <laughs> anywhere close. I mean, I know that due to capacity limits over the ocean, steamship line rates are going way up. And that may have something something to do with it. But sure, I mean, our rates reflect a need to be profitable and a need to pay our drivers more. Because again, I like to tell people that I'm not in the trucking business. I've left the trucking business. I'm in the business of providing professional driver services. And that means that I need to have pay the drivers the right amount and have locations that treat our drivers right so they're willing to go back again and again. If a driver doesn't want to go somewhere and especially if a shipping location has a bad reputation, is not being driver-friendly, long wait times, right? No facilities uh, to, to use while you're waiting. And if it turns out that, that that's a facility that nobody wants to go to, I can't send the driver there. So, you know, it's really important, I think, that people become shippers of choice and make sure that they're taking care of drivers. I don't mean we have to have the red carpet rolled out and a gourmet dinner. 
just common sense stuff that's still all too lacking in today's supply chain. Mm, That's really interesting. So, I mean, I know you guys service a variety of industries. Do you see that there are similar issues across industry? I mean, obviously the chemical industry, a lot of it's considered more hazardous materials, perhaps, you know, certainly when we think about the product side of it, the equipment side of it's a little bit different, but do you see different impacts depending on industry? Oh, there's no question. You cannot look at the trucking and logistics market, I think, and make any generalizations. If you look at rates and demand, it's all micro economies. And the micro economies mm. may be geographic, they may be industry, and more likely they're a mix of things. Got it. So sure. I mean, look, there are industries right now, even though, I mean, we generally the demand for freight is high and generally things are booming, there's industries that still haven't recovered. Big, heavy capital projects. They're trying to recover. I think they will as, as we get into 22. On the other hand, other businesses did great throughout the whole pandemic. Last mile, right? Food. People quit taking vacations during the pandemic, so they spent money on home goods, on repairs, on house upgrades. So it was a tale, it was and is a tale of several cities. You can't make a generalization. It really is niche by niche. Interesting. So how do you guys approach those niches? You know, I guess I think of the trucking and logistics industry, and as you say, professional driver services, you think really a lot about the tail end drivers because that's what we see visibly. Obviously, you've got a big back office operation, but how do you pivot and adjust to those changing dynamics? Well, most importantly, we've made a deliberate decision not to be a spot player. In other words, we don't make our living on load boards or transaction by transaction. Therefore, we take time to get to know our clients and their industries and understand the flow. You know, we do a lot of work, for example, in Houston with resins. And so over the past 10 years, we've worked with our clients to help them load heavier export containers to get better payloads, lower cost per ton. And also, as you, as you know, I mean, resins have their own personality, right? The export market and the domestic market, sort of one may be more dominant than the other. There's pricing. So sometimes we know with resins when it rains, it pours. When there's export resin markets, everybody wants to export at once. And then it dries up for a while. And you, know, yeah. you just learn the market. And you learn the market that your customers operate in. And you try to be the best business partner to them you can. That's the only way that I've figured out how to do it is really study the customer's needs, study the industry in which they operate, and never let your customers commoditize you, but don't ever treat your customers like a commodity either. Makes sense. And it sounds like, you know, maybe that gets to the source of some of your competitive advantage. We were going to touch on that. You know, where does Jetco create competitive advantage? Because it it seems like a pretty crowded market in this area. The market is crowded, but it's not crowded with A players in the industry. And I'm proud to compete against many companies who I consider best in class. And what we do to create competitive advantage is, is a number of things. But like I said before, it's really tailored approach to our client by client. No two client has the same needs. So the more we get to know the client, the better we can service them. It's not always about rate. It's about operational efficiency. If somebody saves $10 on a load and misses a cutoff, what have they really saved? (laughs) Nothing. So we're really, really work with our clients to be on top of their needs, pre-planned to the extent possible. But then, as I said before, kind of on the spirit of strong on the inside, unbeatable on the outside, we're very process-driven so that we try not to run a company and we don't run a company that that's sort of a la carte. 
you get something different on Monday than Tuesday. If you're rooted in, in process, it creates certainty for your employees and it creates certainty of outcome for your clients. So we spend a lot of time on our process, challenging our processes, refining our processes, learning, getting better. And, and I think that ultimately spills right over into service, predictability, reliability. And so again, the competitive advantage is a lot of the stuff our customers don't see, right? They'll see our trucks, they'll see our marketing material, they'll interact with our sales professionals and customer service professionals. And every one of those customer touches has to be excellent. But all the stuff behind the scenes in terms of process, in terms of making sure that we're hiring the best, I don't think right now, if, if I get 20 driver applicants, I'll be lucky if I can hire one or two because we're not compromising our standards. And that helps create an environment in the company where we're professional environment of the company because we're creating, we're hiring the right people that spills over to customers. And then for us, everything starts with safety. Safety is at the foundation. So we put a lot of time and effort into our safety culture because we recognize that safety is at the foundation of an operationally excellent company. If you're not safe, you lose your privilege to do business with the best clients. And we're well yeah. aware of that. Absolutely. And I think that actually resonates well with what the chemical industry views as well, right? I mean, I think there's this huge recognition that it, we have to be safe in, across all of our operations, whether it be in the manufacturing site, whether it be on the road, et cetera, as it gets delivered. And I think the other piece is the aspect of that final delivery to a customer actually has a huge impact on a chemical company's customer's perception, right? So it's maybe something that's not in their hands to control, it's in your hands to control, but being able to team up and create that influence together, just it's part of the customer experience that becomes really critical. It is, we are keenly aware that we are a representative of the customer that hires us. So that when we're, we're, if the customer hires us to pick up at their location and go to point B, we get to point B, we know we're representing that customer and we've got to be professional. And sometimes there's problems, sometimes there, there's issues arise. That's just part of what we do. But then we, we resolve them with our customer. So we know that we're an extension of the customer and we're a reflection of the decision that they made in hiring a, a first quality carrier to you know, represent them. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. So, you know, we started out talking a bit about just where some of these shortages and these disruptions are. When and how are they going to get resolved? What's it going to take to kind of smooth out the current logistics and trucking environment? Well, you know, we're in a definitely in, in a peak right now. And I've been a part of Jetco since 2006, and this is not the first peak I've seen. And the markets will correct themselves. As the rates get continue to increase, that will bring more people into trucks. And then people will buy more trucks, trucking companies will buy more trucks. You've got this sort of persistent cycle of when you're in this market, then people think it's never going to end. <laughs> and then they over Always. <laughs> they, they, they overexpand and all of a sudden you're oversupplied. And then yeah. we go back down. So I think we're in this peak for a while, but I don't think that this peak is really going to be all that different than other peaks and other corrections. You know, we went sure. through a real bad correction in 2016. And then we, we went through a sort of a minor one in 2019 that, you know, just as we were coming out, that's when COVID hit. So what I've noticed, if we, if we run the clock back to maybe 2014, 15 today, what I can tell you is that at least in our business, the cycles have become much more violent. I mean, that you're seeing, you're seeing very higher highs, lower lows, and they're both are lasting a shorter period of time. 
So our strategy has always been stay the course, right? We know in a down market, which of our clients stuck with us, worked with us. And, you know, those clients are not having a capacity problem today when it comes to our trucks. So we're just focused on the long term. We can't control the market. We can't control the cycles. There's nothing out there to tell me that this cycle will not ultimately sort itself out like every other one, up or down. And so we're a lot less about playing the cycles and we're a lot more about finding people that have ongoing needs. They're less in tune with the cycles and more in tune with getting their product to market, regardless of the economy. That's our client. That's our relationship. And that's where, where we excel. Got it. That's awesome. So I know one of the other areas that we talked about is just drivers and driver shortages. How are you working on attracting more drivers or how is the industry working on attracting more drivers? Well, a couple of things, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mentioned pay and I really do believe that, that, that pay is a gateway issue. Ah, I would agree. Yeah. And the pay alone won't do it. Okay. And this is where it's up to not just that. I think most trucking companies treat their drivers probably pretty well. You know, we work together, but I would call on shippers. Um, I would call on the traveling public to have more respect for the drivers if, if you're not doing that already, because to all of us to understand that truck drivers, professional drivers are the backbone of our economy. So I think there's a respect element and a pay element. There's a lot of people out there that say, well, you know, we're not going to worry about this because in 10 years, it's going to be autonomous anyway. And what I would say is check back with me in 10 years because it's not going to be. <laughs> I have a hard time imagining it. Yeah. Not happening. I mean, if you define autonomous as truly driverless, no human being in a truck, forget about it. That'll happen the day that, that you get on an airplane and that plane takes off with no pilot in the cockpit. But what technology is doing is it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm not coming to you and saying, well, it's a horse and buggy. You know, forget about technology. Not at all. I love technology because it's redefining the driver experience. Done right, technology is going to pull the driver back into the truck. It's going to attract a new generation. The truck driving experience, whether you're talking about how the truck drives, safety, ergonomics, it's all changing, changing for the better in a driver-centric way. So will the time come where there's no human being in the truck? Sure, but probably not in my time. And not till we have an autonomous infrastructure and we're having a hard enough time getting our current infrastructure built and maintained that I'm not holding my breath. So I'm really excited about what the truck manufacturers are doing insofar as it brings drivers back into the truck. So pay, treatment, respect, technology. And as a shipper, the biggest thing a shipper can do is waiting time. Now, if we have waiting time at your site, can we charge for it? Sure. Do we charge for it? Sure. Does it really pay the bills? Barely. It pays the driver. It pays a couple of bucks for the truck. But we make our money rolling and our driver makes his or her money rolling. So when you have undue waiting time, it eats into our productivity. It eats into what we can pay our drivers. And so the best shippers in my mind are the ones that understand that they need to get the drivers safely in, safely out with as, as little waiting time as possible because waiting time is an absolute killer. All we have to sell is time. And if it's wasted yeah. and eaten up, you can't get that back. No, it's gone. It's gone. There's definitely an opportunity if you are a you know, lean Six Sigma believer in, in reducing that wait time and just kind of all the aspects that go with it. There's absolutely a lot of opportunity when you're on site, right? I mean, that's where it really hurts everybody, not just the shipper, but the customer as well. So one of the things, Brian, that we talk a lot about, I talk to people a lot about is sustainability. 
And when I think about driving um, and driving personal vehicles, at least, you know, EV electric vehicles are the hot topic. And, you know, there's some predictions that it's going to take, I don't know, you know, 75% of all vehicles sold will be EV within, you know, whether it's five or 10 years, there's various points of view on that. How does that factor into trucking? Well, I think sustainability needs to be a continuing and growing importance for the trucking industry. But it's not just EV. I mean, I think EV is going to have a place. We just took our order, our first order, placed our first order for natural gas trucks. So we're going to be trying out four trucks that run on recycled natural gas that actually have zero or possibly, I've read, I don't know how this works, but zero or negative emissions because you're basically using waste. So those are interesting ways to promote sustainability. But let's not forget that diesel trucks are becoming more and more environmental friendly every year. So if you're using a 2004 truck versus a 2021 truck, the amount of um, NOx that that truck spits out is just night and day different. So Mm. even the conventional, traditional diesel technologies are important. I would also say to a shipper is, Check your payloads. I mean, if you're shipping air, stop it because you, you want to maximize your payloads. We'll run day cabs, for example, because a day cab weighs less and it means we can ship more. So we want to help our customers maximize their payloads because if I can get this cargo to market in nine trucks instead of 10, we've just cut a com- truck completely off the road. So mm. sustainability certainly has the kind of truck, as you said, EV, gas, all that's really important. But just how you operate is equally important. And again, especially we're talking to a chemical audience here, look at your payloads, work with your trucker, figure out how to maximize your payloads to the safest possible extent and obviously legal, but don't ship air. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think the chemical companies, most people I know would agree with you, right? They recognize they need to optimize that. And, you know, a lot of times there's certain limitations just due to trucks and, or to the roads and bridges capabilities. So I, I know there's a lot of work potentially that's going to be happening on American infrastructure. And, you know, hopefully some of those load issues gets resolved as well as, you know, bridges and other things get improved. Yeah. And it's up to us as the trucking company to know what our weight is and to make sure that we're going along a route that can accommodate that weight. So even today, it's up to us to make sure that everything is legal. But I'm saying that if I can haul more weight legally, let's do that. As far as the infrastructure goes, I mean, it looks like we're finally getting progress on a pretty big infrastructure bill. And from what I've read, the bill is not going to please everybody. But you know what? Let's not worry about perfection. Let's worry about having money to repair our roads, repair our bridges, build new ones, and make sure that we hand over to our kids a better infrastructure that was handed to us. And right now, if we do nothing, we're not going to do that. So I know there's a lot of politics and people have opinions on, on the infrastructure bill, but, but what's going on right now, and you're getting some bipartisan momentum, it's going to be better than anything we've seen in, in a long time. So I'm really excited about it. And we need the supply chain to support it. Sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, Brian, this may be a good point for us to wrap. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And this has been a great conversation and it really helps address kind of what's really a hot topic across the industry. Anything else you'd want to share with us? No, I really appreciate the time to chat. Again, we've got a lot of short-term things right now that are we're focused on, Whether no matter where we are, who we are in the supply chain. 
And I get that. But make sure you're thinking long-term because that's what really matters. This thing's going to cycle around. It always does. And make sure that you're building your network to accommodate your long-term concerns and then figure out your spot strategies to get through the short-term. But don't let the short-term make you lose sight of the long-term because that's what's really important. And again, I assume that if anybody wants to connect further, we'll post my email, my contact information, always available to chat further about these topics. Perfect. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of The Chemical Show. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.